listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. We started last week from Ezekiel 37, and last week we talked about beyond hope and how God is able to bring us from situations and places that we gave up hope on a long time ago, and he reaches down in those situations, and he puts us back together. But why does he do that? Why does he restore us? Why does he save us? Why does he take, you, you fill in your name, okay? We've all been saved from something, right? Well, today we're going to talk about the fact that we have been restored for a purpose. We have been restored for a purpose. So let's pray, then we'll get into this, and uh, we'll just see what the Lord does this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, you're good. You're good. We worship you today. We thank you for all you've done already today. Lord, we're just grateful. Lord, we don't take it for granted that you would choose to meet with us. And so we just lift up our hearts to you now. Lord, we give you our ears to hear your word because these are your words. And Lord, I just pray that you would Speak to us, God, and give us hope. Those who need hope today, I pray we'd leave here with hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're going to pick up in Ezekiel 37, kind of where we were, and to bring you up to speed, if you weren't here last week, and if you're watching, hi, it's good to see you. Ezekiel has a vision. He's living in a time when there's little hope for the nation of Israel. They have actually become exiles, and they've become cut off from the heritage they had, but it was their own fault. They dug a pit, and then they fell in to the pit. How many have been there? I certainly have. But God doesn't leave us in the pit. The psalmist says... You pulled me up out of the pit, yeah, put my feet on the solid ground, gave me a new song, okay, that's restored for a purpose. And so these people found themselves in a pit, and in the middle of all that, God gives Ezekiel a vision of a valley where there's all these dry bones that are disjointed and disconnected, and he tells Ezekiel to speak to the bones, Speak to the bones. Speak to that which is beyond hope. And so he does, and the bones come together, and they form bodies, and they get up. But there's one more thing they need, and that is breath. And so verse 9 of Ezekiel 37 says, He said to me, that's God speaking to Ezekiel, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man, Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, O breath, from the four winds, 
breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into the bodies, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We've become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. If you happen to listen to the news, sometimes you want to say, our nation is finished. Well, maybe you can prophesy. There's always hope, folks. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, my people, you'll know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you. And you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I've done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Israel was restored. That is a historical fact. After 70 years, they returned to their nation. This came to pass. And they were restored, not to just become a nation again, but to become an army. But actually, they were restored not to just become a physical army. It, it's interesting because the nation of Israel today, which is also a miracle to see that they have a piece of land after all these years. That, that there's still a people that were wiped out so many times. And God miraculously gathered them from the four winds after World War I and World War II. And after there was a concerted, specific effort to annihilate a nation, that they became a nation in 1948. And this is not all about that, okay? I think it's fascinating. I think it's cool. I don't know what that all represents or what's going to happen there. But looking at that nation, if you're an Israeli, you are in the army. Male, female, <laughs> you, you serve. You don't have a choice. You're in the army. You reach a certain age and you go. Same thing's true in Switzerland. Tiny little country. You're going to go learn how to be military. Small countries. Everyone's involved. Now I'm going to tell you something. If you're a Christian, because we're Israel today. God says, read Romans, read the New Testament. We've inherited, and we're going to go there. We're, we're actually his, his people. We're his bloodline in the spirit. Okay, that's why, you know, nation of Israel, that's great. Jewish people, I love it. But that's all of us right now as believers in Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus was Jewish, and if he's in your heart, <laughs> we're Jewish now. Okay? <laughs> All right, mazel tov. So you don't have a choice now that you're Israeli. You're in the army. Male, female, little kid, old person, 
in a wheelchair. Welcome back to the Army of the Lord, Dan. Woo! There's a miracle right here. This is hope, okay? This is hope in action. Praise God. They had a schedule. He had a date. He said, I'm going to be in church by this date. Well, praise God. I could go on for, for a long time on that one. I just had to shout it out. All right. So we are part of an army. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. There's a reason people sing that. All right. Remember, God's got an army watching, marching through the land. Okay. You're old if you remember that. All right. <laughs> or you had parents that made you listen to that. <laughs> you're not old, but you're getting there. All right. And in this army, I have a part. Okay? So you've been drafted. You've been grafted and then you've been drafted, okay? Now, when did this happen? Now, just think about this. When this word was physically fulfilled, because oftentimes in the Old Testament, give you a little Bible hack, all right? If you didn't pay to go to Bible school, oftentimes a prophetic word will have more than one meaning. It'll speak to that one situation, and then it'll have a spiritual meaning for all of us as believers. Okay, that's why a lot of times in the New Testament, it'll say, this was that which was spoken, and you're going, that was that? But it'll say, this is that word fulfilled. Okay, so go with me, if you will, to the fulfillment of this word when the exiles returned under Ezra and Nehemiah. I'm trying to follow my notes here, but this is not easy to follow my notes. So I'm just talking. So that word was fulfilled physically. And they became a nation. And they were a nation until Rome came and destroyed them. Okay? That happened. Now, they did not really become a mighty army that took over the world. Okay, so God restores them as an army. Just, just think about this. There were other mighty empires and armies that were taking over the world. You can read in the book of Daniel about the visions that he had of empires that would rise and fall. I got to read when I was uh, on my two months off this big, thick book on the history of the world from a kind of a Middle Eastern point of view, and it was just rich, okay? And it talked about the waves of empire and the, the moguls and the Chinese and the Turks. And the, it's just fascinating stuff that we don't always get in American high school or college unless you sign up for that course. So there were the Persians that took over and had a mighty army. And then there was Alexander the Great who conquered the world with the Greeks then that empire was broken up because he died at a very young age. He was split in four. And then the Romans came on the scene, and they had an incredible army, really together. I mean, legendary. And there have been kingdoms that come and have come and gone, but the little tiny nation of Israel didn't become that again. So who is this army? 
the breath that Ezekiel spoke of, the breath that we sang about earlier, came to fill the body of Christ during the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost when the disciples were assembled in the upper room. And Jesus said, wait, you're not going anywhere until the promise comes and you're filled up. That's what qualifies us to be part of the army is to have the breath of God. They had been raised up and put together as dry bones and they were assembled as a body, but they didn't become an army until the breath came. And that was a separate word that was spoken. This was a separate thing that happened. And so we have been called... So those dry bones, that's you. That's me. Look what God has assembled together from across the face of the earth. We have been called to take spiritual ground. Our inheritance back from the enemy who occupies the world. We have been called to rescue the captive souls, whether they're behind the walls in prison or on the streets or in our neighborhoods. We have been called to deliver them from darkness to light. And we must not forget, because the church, again, I look at the American church, and we are as disjointed as that valley of dry bones. We don't even know what's going on across town and they pray and sing a lot of the same songs we do. We must not forget that an army has a general. What? You see, Joshua saw him as the captain of, of the host. We must follow his words to a victory that has already been won. Isn't that cool? There's no guessing game about who's going to win the war. It's already won. We just got to obey and fight when we've been called to fight. We follow his words to a victory that has already been won, but it must be manifested on earth as it is in heaven. It's already won in heaven. It's like when the Allies won in World War II, there were parts of the world that hadn't gotten the memo, and they had to fight until it was over. We're still fighting. To quote a paper David Harper recently wrote, spiritual warfare, biblical focus for the New Testament church, he states, while New Testament believers do not engage in actual physical warfare, so if you brought your sword today, just keep it in its sheath, okay? We do not engage in actual physical warfare with the powers of darkness, the spiritual warfare is no less real. It is actually more real. And the consequences of not fighting are no less deadly. Because to die spiritually is worse than dying physically. How many believers have been casualties, their faith and lives wrecked? 
Spiritual battles are always fought with spiritual armor and weapons by the power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. That's the breath of God flowing through the lives of believers. Now, here's the part they may or may not have told you when you signed the dotted line to become a Christian. The cost is all-in commitment. All-in. But the victory is worth everything. Everything. Don't underestimate the call that God has for you. So we are restored for a purpose. Beyond hope? Yeah. We come into this army from places beyond hope. It was beyond hope that Israel would one day be an army, let alone a nation. It took a supernatural move of God to restore that nation back to their land under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah. It was beyond hope that from this ragtag group of exiles that God would bring his chosen Jesus Christ to save the world. Just think about that. That's the reason God brought them back is because he had said someone was coming through Abraham's lineage who would save the world. And God was going to do that. God has a plan and a purpose and nothing this earth can throw in the way is going to impede what God is doing. That gives us hope. Amen. It was beyond hope that they would become not just a nation, but produce Jesus Christ. And after 400 years, now there was approximately 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 400 years. Many were beyond hope that anything could or would happen, but some were watching and waiting. It was beyond hope that after the crucifixion of Jesus that his followers would come back together. They were hiding behind closed doors. It was beyond hope that they would believe in a resurrection, that they would obey his words, that they would assemble and be ready to receive the Holy Spirit or the breath of life. That's quite a miracle that all that came together. And they did, and because they did, we're here right now. And I look over the history of the world, as I said, I've been studying this. I've always been a student of history. I love it. As I look over the history of the world and the history of the church, and I see the times of hopelessness, I see times when the church has fallen into sin or error before Martin Luther came on the scene. Becky shared some of this in her message about before there were great moves of God or revivals. It was really, it was not real encouraging. When I look at the infighting in the church, the denominationalism, the schism, the splits, the your reality is your reality and my reality is mine and the Bible's just a book of myths anyway. This is in church. 
when I look at all that, I can believe, and through history I can see, that in those dark times, the breath of God still comes in and brings back life through revivals, through rededications. And I've lived through a couple of those, three of those revivals in my lifetime. And I'm ready for the next one, folks. I'm not making no predictions. But God can do it any time. And I know it has to start with me and my heart. Am I going to receive the breath of God in my life? You're standing or sitting. I'm standing. You're sitting. We are assembled in a place, this place, this church, this gathering, that was for me personally beyond hope. It's a miracle I'm back. I said, never again will I go back to Midlothian. Don't ever say never again. Never say never. But God revived my vision and purpose. I was in Budapest, Hungary with that couple in back there, Bill and Emma Jean Kaiser, at the Horsehead Motel, sleeping on what they called a bed. Actually, I was not sleeping. I might have been asleep. I might have been awake. I've shared this before. I just didn't share where it happened. But I was driving them to Romania, from Munich to Romania, to look at a place where we could have a time of refreshing conference. And next week, we're going to talk about what I'm going to be doing and what Bill and Emma Jean are going to be doing. And David Harper and some other people in this room have taken part in this. It's, it's something God connected us personally with over 30 years ago. But I was in that place, going to another church. I had gotten out of Midlothian, praise God. He finally answered my prayer. But I didn't go until God released me, and we don't need to move ahead of God. If God has you in a place, you stay until he releases you. You stay in that boat until the floodgates open. Yeah? And God gave me this vision of this place here. And all we owned at that time in reality was this one building. But I was looking at this whole campus, and there was life happening in every corner, over there and over there and over there. And there were people in that vision, people that I knew. The only one I remember is Shelly Barrett, who was Shelly Bryant at that time. They weren't even married. And Shelly was in that vision, and I just saw life happening. And we had a art and music festival a few years ago and I remember standing on that front step looking out and it's like this is what I saw God says hang in there I'm going to give you hope just hang in there so we're seeing prophetic words fulfilled right now that the Lord spoke years ago so what in your life is beyond hope right now are you fulfilling the dreams and destiny that God has for you? And are you allowing him to direct your dreams and destinies? See, if you're God's, he's going to give you those dreams, those visions. 
It's prophesied in Joel that he would do that. And that's part of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that you personally were restored for a purpose? few of us. I'm here to say, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you were. God saved you for a reason. And it wasn't just to escape the fires of hell. Praise God, if that's all it was, that's worth it. You'll get your money's worth. Fire insurance, we call it. But there is so much more that he saved you Four. Come Wednesday night and find out. There's a verse God gave me years ago when I first came here. Isaiah 49. And it's a word specifically to you. It's a word to me. It was a word given to the nation of Israel before there was hope. Isaiah 49. I'm going to start reading in verse 5. And now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. That's the reassembling of the dry bones. The Lord has honored me and my God has given me strength. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the nations. I will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And so God is not just restoring us to restore us. It is for a purpose. You have a role to play in history. Believe in yourself. God believes in you. I believe in you. Sometimes we need someone to, that's why we're supposed to come together to encourage each other that God has a plan and a purpose. As I close this morning, I just really, again, am so grateful of all the words of encouragement and unity and purpose and destiny that came out while I was gone. And I honestly was so unplugged. I was, someone said, are you watching the, pod, the, the Facebook Live and listen? I said, no. I'm taking a break. I will get caught up when I get back. I want to, but you got to understand, I am such a recovering workaholic. For me to take two months and do nothing, which wasn't nothing, believe me, okay? <laughs> but for me not to be like on my phone looking at, uh, my son said, are you following how the coffee's doing? Are you looking at the numbers? I said, no. I'm just trusting God that he's taking care of everything. And he did. I prayed for Sharon, who keeps our books. Prayed for Peter. Prayed for all you elders. I prayed. But I didn't have to know what was going on every minute. God delivered me of that. So, this is what actually did happen. So I woke up the morning of the... Leaders Retreat, The Focused Living, and that was my first thing to come back to, and I got to be real honest, I did not want to come back that day. I was having such a good time. thought I'd just, another month would be nice, but 
The elders have been very kind. I'm not going to presume. So I'll go to this focused living thing that I set up, okay? <laughs> I'll go. And as I got up, I just got this flash. I was reading the verse of the day. It was from 2 Corinthians about how we focus on the things that we can't see in our natural eyes. And we focus on the, on the unseen. Well, that's kind of a play on words. How can you focus on something you don't see? Because we see in our spirit. God's got an army. It's a spiritual army. And I, honestly, I didn't know what Becky shared. I didn't know what Chris shared. I didn't know what Peter shared. And the first part of my trip, I, I went on a, a cruise with my parents up in the Baltic. Don't hate me, okay? Don't be a hater. But this was an awesome thing to spend time with my parents who are going on 84, okay? And at that age, Dad will correct me. I am not 84, but he will be on his next birthday. And I know that time is precious. Nothing's guaranteed. And we were in the old country. We went to St. Petersburg, Russia, where there was an empire that rose and fell. We went to Denmark, where my grandfather's family came from, and went to the villages where those people left to come to the New World in the 1880s. Got to see the, the very churches and the cottages that they lived in and worked in. And there was uh, just, wow, a sense of, this is who I am. This is where I came from. I went to Madrid, Spain, spent the night, went on a city tour, and saw the empire that had been there and is now gone. And I had this tremendous connection with history, with the past, with what made us who we are. We must not ignore that people came before to give us this life we have right now. The fact you are sitting here right now in air-conditioned comfort means someone came here and paid a price. They were pioneers. They survived. They may have come here of their own choice. They may have come here not of their own choice, but they survived. And they made a nation. So that was the beginning of that. Now, the last part, I got to go to California. Don't be a hater. Got to go on a road trip with my daughter and my grandson. And we went to Yosemite Valley and got arranged for the waterfalls to still be flowing in August. He loves me. This I know. And we saw the new world. And I got to spend time with the generation that is to come. My beautiful daughter, my awesome, amazing, very intelligent grandson. And, and that brought me to the new world. And I just saw, you know, they say we're living in the dash. Because one day, maybe, 
There'll be a stone with your name on it. And mine will say, 1958, yes, I am that old. Dash, 2069, okay, 111. All right. <laughs> right now, we're right in the middle there. Okay, but that's not just us. Bill and Imogene, would you come up here, please? Come. Thank you. Unrehearsed. You know what I'm doing with my dash? These guys have paved the way for me to be here right now because they're paying the price to bring missionaries together and love on them and be parents and now actually grandparents and sometimes great-grandparents, okay? But they taught at Christ for the Nations when I was yet a wee little lad because I came at age 17, not quite 18, and Bill approved my application, and he must have been a great man of faith <laughs> to approve of that. And then they went on, and they were pioneers in Europe to bring the gospel back to the dark continent, and I am talking about Europe. Okay? They did that. And they're my spiritual forebears. All right? So... I've got this place now that I'm living, and I'm doing what I can because Peter, come up here. Peter and Hannah. These guys are the next generation. And you saw Judy passing the baton. <laughs> Someday, hopefully, I'll be passing. Here's the baton. Catch. It's yours. All right. You know? And I'm a connector. And I got to do the best I can with this because this is... This is the dash. And these guys connected a revival that came before them with me. And these guys are going to connect with Gideon. Get up here now. <laughs> the prophet Gideon. See, they're connecting with this generation. And we cannot drop the baton, folks, because it's not just a sprint. It's a relay. It's a relay, and here we are, and this is the church, and this is what God breathed life into, and we are an army, and God has restored each one of us for a purpose, and you walk out your purpose, and don't worry about everyone else's, because <laughs> I'd like to tell you what your purpose is, <laughs> but I got my own purpose to live. You walk out yours to the best of your ability. And you hear your orders from the general, from King Jesus, the captain of the host. Because we got to move as one, guys. The days are over when we're each doing our own little thing. We're part of something much bigger. As Becky shared, we're here because of the prayers of our ancestors, many of us. But what about the prayers we're praying? How long will those echo? Who's going to catch the wave that we are able to produce by jumping in? <laughs> jumping in. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. All right. So... We're all part of a family.
So we must take our place in the generations, take our place in life, and believe that we've been restored for a purpose. Let's stand up. Prayer team, come on up. Worship team, we're going to dismiss, but if you would like prayer today, our worship team is here. If there's a situation in your life that you feel is beyond, beyond hope, we're here to pray with you and stand with you in this hour because we believe in Jesus Christ, nothing is ever beyond hope. As long as you're breathing, there's hope. And even if you're not breathing, you may feel like a dead, dry bone that's disjointed and disconnected. But God can bring that thing back to life.